we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. All right, you may be seated. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can find them. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. Now, we'll get there, get your notes ready. We'll go there in a second. Uh, I want to go ahead and kind of go to a quote that is profound observation made many years ago. Can you put that quote by Niebuhr up there on the screen for us? Let's just read this and dive in this morning. It says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. I want to visit with you this morning about the why. I want us to talk about why you live, why you were here, why this church exists. We, we, we don't talk about whys very much in our life. We, we all want to learn about how. In fact, social media, television, books, it's, it's all about the how. How do I make money? How do I lose weight? How do I be happy? How do I buy a house? How do I flip a house? How do I raise a kid? How do I flip a kid? (laughs) We're obsessed with learning about how, and we focus very little on the why. So this morning, I want us to talk and visit a little bit about the why. What is the why in your life that is big enough when your how is not big enough? Let me repeat that. What is the why in your life that's big enough when your how is no longer big enough? I want to share with you this morning about the why of Pathway Church. There's only one why. There's just one. There's only one. It's the great why of life. And if you would like for it to be, you could make this your own why. And we learn about it in the most strangest ways in the Scripture. It's kind of an odd way how how it comes about. Over in Luke chapter 4, we'll pick up right here at uh, Matthew chapter 4. Let's get to the right Bible chapter. It would even be better. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He's just walking. And he sees these two brothers, uh, Simon uh, called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake because they're fishermen. That's what they do. And then Jesus said, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, Scripture says one day Jesus is taking a walk. He's he's just taking a walk. He's not really looking for anything. And the Scriptures imply he stumbles upon these two guys. It wasn't like he was looking for them. And it's almost like the Scripture is saying, you know, I can use anybody. Hey, and I could use you two guys. So, hey, you two, hey, just stop what you're doing and come follow me. And so they wind up considering that opportunity. Uh, why? Why should I go? Why should I be? And so he says, if you will come follow me, I'm going to give you the biggest why in your life. Not how. I will give you a why that's bigger than how to make a living. I will give you a why that's bigger than just how to go out and be successful. I will give you a why if you discover it. And you live it, it will allow you to overcome any how that kind of shrinks and goes away in your life. And here it is. Just love God. 
Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the pathway why in your notes. Here's our pathway why. We love God, we love self, and we just love people. That's our why. Jesus says, follow me, and you will get connected to God. Follow me, and you will know God, he said. Follow me, and you will be undone by grace. Follow me, and you will be healed by mercy, he says. Follow me, and you will get a captured with a vision of eternity. Follow me. You will have a hope that is stronger than death. Follow me. You will feed the hungry. Follow me. You will love the loveless. Follow me. You will serve the forgotten. Follow me. And you will help me change the world one life at a time as you connect with one more and one more and one more. And you show them how much God loves them. Those two disciples, when just fishermen, when they heard that, it rocked their world. Just that radical invitation, hey, come follow me. changed everything. He said, come follow me and I will send you out and I will show you how to fish for people. And they were then put in a very unusual position. I can see Jesus just going silent and going, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that invite? This morning I'm asking you, how are you going to respond to that invite? Because he says the same thing to you and me this morning. Hey, I'd like for you to follow me, will you? Will, you? will you drop what you're doing and follow me? There's an old fishing story about a man in a small little town who was an incredible fisherman. A stranger comes into the town, hears about this guy, finds him and says, listen, I hear you're a great fisherman. Will you take me fishing? He said, yeah, meet me right here. We'll go tomorrow morning, 5 o'clock. Next morning, 5 o'clock. They're out in the boat. They're fishing. And the stranger notices this great fisherman. He has no pole. He has no bait. He just has a tackle box. They get out there in the middle of the water. He reaches, opens up the tackle box, takes out a stick of dynamite, lights it, throws it in the water. Boom! All this fish float to the top. He's just kind of raking all the fish into the boat. The stranger just opens up his jacket, takes out a badge, says, Game Warden, you're under arrest. Doesn't even phase the great fisherman, just very calmly. He opens up his tackle box, takes out another stick of dynamite. He lights it, and he hands it to the game warden. Game warden's just sitting there. He says, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit there, or are you going to fish? <laughs> Jesus shows up to two fishermen. He hands them a stick of dynamite. It's called the gospel. It's called the presence of Jesus. It's called the forgiveness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. Here, I'm going to put it in your hands. What are you going to do with it? It's amazing how the Apostle Paul puts it. He says in verse 116 of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power 
of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. In your notes, the gospel, just write that down. It's the power of God. It is the very power of God that brings salvation to anyone who believes. That word power in the Greek is dunamis. It's where you and I get our word dynamite. Jesus comes to two fishermen, and he says, let's go fishing. And he gives them the explosive power of God in their hands. Come on, guys. Let's go fish for people. Are you just going to sit there, or are you going to fish? Jesus was so compelling. They were, they were so moved. They had not even met the guy. They'd heard about him. They had not met him. They didn't sit there and think about it. When you read the scripture, this next scripture is really what changes the, the landscape of the world. This little verse, hidden in this little text in Matthew, changes the world forever. It says in verse 20, at once it says, they left their nets. They got up, they left their nets, and they followed him. In your notes, number two, what's a net? A net is anything that prevents me from following Jesus. Everybody has a net. They had a net. It was their identity. It was their security. They were fishermen. That's how they made a living. That's how they made a life. That's how they got, that's, what, that's how they lived their life on Monday. That's how they did it on Tuesday. That's how they did their life on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. That is who they were. And they laid it down. To follow Jesus. What is your net? What is it in your life that you're so holding on to that it prevents you from really, truly, and sincerely all in, in every part of your life, following Jesus? They are given a why, the greatest why on the face of the earth. And if you accept this why, if you accept this why, it will allow you to overcome every single how in your life, even when you get tired and weary of how you do life. This is the great why of all humanity. What will you do with it? They follow him. They get up and they follow him and it changed everything. And then it's interesting when you read the text. That's their story. There's another story that Matthew writes right after it. It's in verse 21. It says, going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers. He said, hey, hey, James. Hey, 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 John. Why, why, hey, why don't you come follow me? They were in a boat with their father, and they were preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, verse 22. And immediately they left their boats, and they followed him. Now, why, why do you think that Jesus... Matthew here tells this story back to back, back to back. I mean, it's, it's almost the identical same story. It's repetition. Wouldn't you agree with me that one of the most irritating things in the world is needless repetition? Wouldn't you agree with me that one of the need, most bothersome things in the world is unnecessary repetition? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with me that one of the most bothersome things in the world is unnecessary? Are you getting it? Why does he repeat this story back to back? They had no printers. They had no cell phones to record what Jesus was doing or saying. They had no bold-faced type. They had no italics. They had no lowercase that they could make into uppercase. In fact, literally, they had no lowercase. It was all uppercase. So why did he repeat these stories back to back? In your notes, repetition in the Bible. It's the Bible's way of underlining and emphasizing by saying this is important. This is critical. 
You have got to get this. It's life-changing. And I love how Jesus talks. I know there are some of you here, you don't really like church very much because you've been to churches and they talk on this language that you can't understand, all holy and now and big, you know, 10-syllable words and everything and all this doctrine and stuff. Jesus didn't talk like that. He was talking to two fishermen. He said, hey, guys, if you'll come follow me, I'll show you how to fish for people. He could have said this. If they were servants, he could have said, hey, guys, you know what? Y'all go to people's houses and you clean houses. You come follow me. I'll, help you. I'll show you how to clean hearts. If they had been a cobbler, shoot people. He said, you know what? Hey, I, I know you guys are really great at repairing souls, S-O-L-E-S. You come follow me, and I'll show you how to repair souls, S-O-U-L-S. Just very common language that people can understand. Meet them where they live. That's one thing that I love about Jesus. And I want you to notice what he didn't say in that scripture. He didn't say, come follow me, and I'll heal you. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll save you. He didn't say, you come follow me and your life's going to be easy. Your life's not going to be challenging. Your kids are going to do exactly what you say. Your marriage will be perfect. You'll never have death or cancer or accident or trouble in your life. He doesn't say that you come follow me, everything in your life will be problem free. He doesn't say that. What did he say? He said, you come follow me and we'll go change some lives. I'll show you how to change lives. I will use you to change lives. I will use you to change the world. I will use you to let people know that they are really loved by God who knows their name and cares for them. I will use you. I will give you the biggest why that will get you up every morning to do whatever you do to how you make a living. So they got up and they went. And it was the biggest sort of why uh, that just, it just moved them. That they were inviting people, inviting, inviting to come be a part of this radically inclusive, redemptive, life-changing, transforming community called the church, which is God's family, where everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And because of the cross, anything, anything is possible. And church, I will tell you, if you want to, you can make this to your why, because this is the pathway why. This is why we exist. This is why we built this center. That's why this whole campus exists, and that's why we broadcast wherever you're living all over the world right now, in the United States, of America, wherever you are, because that is our why. Last week, we celebrated the 50th birthday anniversary of Pathway Church. That means today. Remember when you were a little kid? And you had a birthday, and you just turned three, and next week you say, but I'm almost four. Remember? <laughs> Remember that? You know, those days in your life, well, I'm, 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 I'm really 15 and a half, you know. Today, we're 50 years and one week old. It got me thinking, when does a church get old? When does a human get old? At what point in your life would you say, I'm old? And what does it mean to get old? It dawned on me this past week when I was kind of wrestling with this concept and this idea about the church and where we are and where God is doing, how long we've been around here, how long I've been on this earth, and I cannot believe it, but in 18 months, I'll be going to my 50th high school reunion, and I went, crap, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. 
And I know what's going to happen when you go to these, these reunions. When I go to this 50 reunion, when, when people come in, they're going to look at everybody and go, man, you look good. Man, you look good. Man, you look really good. Did you have work done or something? I mean, man, you're looking really, really good. Yeah. And that's just what we do. At the, and here's what I know when you go to those sort of events 50 years later. Everybody's saying everybody looks good because they only say that when you begin to look terrible. In fact, nobody looks good 50 years later after high school. I think nobody, I mean, if you had a lot of work done, you might look better, but sometimes you look worse. I mean, I just, you all, we all know what I'm talking about. I mean, it just, nobody, so, so what, what does it look like? What does it look like for something, for someone to get old? The Apostle Paul is wrestling with this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He puts this, put this on the screen, 2 Corinthians 4, I want to read this passage. It says, as God's grace reaches more and more and more, more and more and more people, they will offer to the glory of God more prayers of thanksgiving. We've been doing that today. And here it comes. For this reason, we never become discouraged, even though our physical being, our bodies are, our bodies are getting old. The church is getting old. Yet our spiritual being is being renewed day after day. In other words, it's saying you don't, gray hair doesn't make you old. Being old as a church doesn't make you old. 50 years doesn't make you old. Gray hair, in fact, the Bible's very clear on this. Put this proverb, I love this proverb, one of my favorite proverbs. It says, gray hair is the crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. (laughs) That's a crown, baby. (laughs) So you see somebody with gray hair, that means you're automatically righteous, right? No. Can you put that 1 Corinthians passage back up again? Can you put that up again? That 2 Corinthians 4, I want to see that again. Here's what I want you to see. 2 Corinthians 4, we're still learning stuff. Thank you, guys. Look what it says. Even though our physical being, the church, my body is getting old, it's decaying, yet my spiritual being, my spirit in my heart of who I am as a person is being renewed. I'm getting younger. I'm getting stronger. As I get older, I'm getting better. On the inside, I'm feeling more vivacious. I'm feeling more energized. Why? Because I've had work done by the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit begins to do a work on you and your why gets bigger and bigger and bigger, even as you get older, you get younger. And you have energy and drive and power. In your notes, what is old? Old is when someone or an organization loses their why. That's when you get old, when you lose your why. And you just start existing, and you start doing, how do I do this? How do I do When you're focusing on the how instead of the why. And you show me a church. A church gets old. And a Christian gets old, whether they're 12 or they're 92 or 112, when all of a sudden you become focused on yourself. You become self-focused. You become self-enclosed. You think about, it's all about me. It's about my life. It's about my hurts, my aches, my pains, my depression, my sickness, my trouble, my issue. It's me, 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 me. And when an organization or a business or a family or a marriage or a fa- just, just focuses on themselves, they get old and they begin to die. It is only when you have a why that takes you outside of yourself. 
that you begin to flourish. And church, I don't care how old you are. God wants to do a new thing in you. Come follow me. Jesus said. And I'll show you how to fish for people. I will use you to help change the world. We are a three-chair church. I want you to picture there being a chair right here. And I want you to picture there being a chair right here. And I want you to picture there being a chair right here. This chair right here is our past. We're 50 years old. This chair right here in the middle is us. This is who we are that are sitting here right here today. And this right here is the future. The people that are not yet here yet. Put this scripture on the screen, please. Psalm 78. Will you put Psalm 78 up there for me? Psalm 78. The things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors 50 years ago have told us what happened years ago. In the middle, these things, we will not hide from them. We will not hide what we know about our past, what God has done here from these people over here. But we will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. What is our why? To tell the deeds of what God has done, his saving grace, how he has changed us, how he has comforted us, how he met us in our time of need. And we right here are going to talk about those things to the one more who are yet to come. That is our job. That is who we are. Last weekend, we opened up this center. If you were here last Sunday afternoon, we celebrated the 50th birthday of this church. It's nothing less than miraculous that we are here today. Do not take it for granted. This church started some 50 years ago with 23 people, only 23. You never start a church today with 23 people. You could not afford to. It would not survive. It would not live. It's just not good planning. But they did it. And over the course of 15 years, that little church grew exponentially, I mean exponentially, to a total sum of 40 people. And they were so poor, 15 years later, they had to have garage sales to pay their bills. Have you ever had to have a garage sale just so you could have something to eat? They had to have garage sales on top of their offering just to pay the bills to keep the lights on to open the doors. And the threat was, we're going to have to close your church. But those 23 little people had a why that was so big. They said, no, we don't know how. We don't know how. But we're not quitting. We're not shutting these doors. Because for God so loved the world. We know how much God loves the world. We know how much. We're just, we're just not. And it was amazing what happened. About 15 years in, the churches, they opened up the doors wide. And they started serving the scouts. They invited scouts in. They invited soccer teams in. They invited the Chamber of Commerce in. They invited all sorts of, just like we did. Did you know yesterday afternoon, right before we had our first worship service in this place, you have that photo right there of what the crossing looked like? This is, this is crazy. All day long yesterday, you have that photo right there, Chris? Somebody? Uh, yeah, this is it right here. The crossing was just, the new crossing was filled with all these people from the Chamber of Commerce. All these small businesses came in here for a holiday bazaar. And hundreds of people came into this church yesterday. Many have never been in a church. 
And I wonder how many of them, one time, just future, when something life happens, they're going to show up here. We will do anyhow because of our why. Up to yesterday, that was going on. And so this little church, they started inviting, you know, all the scouts, all this, and all of a sudden the church grew, all of a sudden to 100 people, a second service. Then there was a problem. We had no parking. We had a caliche parking lot. And not everybody could park on the caliche parking lot with 100 people. They started parking on the grass, and it would rain, and it would rain, and it would rain, and it would rain, and these cars were stuck in the grass. And that was back when the pastors wore a suit and a robe, and everybody was in their coat and tie. And we're having to push these people out of the mud, and they're kicking mud up all over us. I mean, we look just like a pack rat of, of ugly little pigs that's been out there playing in the mud. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we thought they're never going to come back. If we don't give a paid parking lot, it was going to cost $9,000 for a paid parking lot. We're having a garage sale to keep the doors open. How are you going to come up with $9,000? Somebody had an incredible, crazy idea. By now, there's 100 people in the church. The church is just, just, just like manna from heaven. God just opened the door. Just, people just started coming. This little church stepped down in the face and said, we're not quitting. And so here was the idea. You have 100 people. If everybody set aside a dollar a day for 90 days, that would be $9,000. Oh, we can't afford to do that. We can't even pay our bills. Our budget's $36,000 a year. How can we come up with $9,000? Well, how about this? What about if you, and if you learned that 12% of all students in high school around this area, they dropped out by the time of the eighth grade? And the kid that drops out of school is very prone to get involved in criminal activity and wind up in a detention center or jail. But kids who come to church and they come to youth and they come to Sunday school, they're very less prone to winding up in a detention center. But people whose car gets stuck in the mud are less likely to come back. <laughs> so what about we offer a dollar a day for 90 days and that little church did it. They just kept giving and all of a sudden, boom. And we are here today because 50 years ago they said, we have a wife, so we don't know how, but we're not quitting. And church, you just got to understand that. You got to understand the history to understand where we are, that we carry on the same sort of legacy that we're not going to stop. We're just not going to because lives are at stake. And now that 23 has grown to 2,300 on our roll, 2,300 and one and two and three and four now. And over 4,000 people call this church home because 23 would not quit. A couple of years ago, we cast a vision of a million and one aha moments. A million and one over the course of 10 to 15 years. A million and one. The key being the one. The one. That person. That human being. That one more connected to the power of God in their life. Just one at a time. You doing that and on the, wherever you are in the world. One more and one more and one more and one more. Connected to the love of God. I want to share with you that that's who we are, church. That is our why. That is our great why. For God so loved the world. That's why we exist. That's it. To somehow connect one more person to the love of God through Jesus. Connect one more person to his saving grace. Connect one more person to be part of the family, to know they are loved, they are valued, they are known. And I want you to imagine what that would look like. Just imagine it's all of a sudden now we're streaming our services. We have, we're streaming our services into prisons and jails around the area. Imagine that happening. Imagine us doing that. 
and people that are incarcerated experiencing the transforming love and grace of Jesus right there in prison and then walking out a changed person and going home to a family with a son, a daughter, a grandchild, and all of a sudden they're being the man or the mom their child needs them to be. Can you imagine that? Can you picture how God would use this church to transform this area? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if every child in this area, every child, went to bed at night knowing that somebody had seen them, that somebody looked them in the eye and they saw them, and that child felt valued and important, and that child felt loved. Can you picture that? Every single child, no, 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 no child, no teenager being just cast aside and discarded. Can you picture that? That the church, somehow through the people of the church, spread out even into homes and families where kids feel just discarded. And their bellies are not empty. Their bellies are full because of the red bags that you fill up every month. You just keep filling the bags up. We just keep feeding kids who don't have a place that are being fed. Can you imagine that, church family? Can you imagine all those online who join us wherever you are, little pockets of pathway peeps all over the United States of America, that you transforming your, your house into a home, a home church, where you invite your neighbors and your friends into your home, and all of a sudden they get connected to Jesus. Can you imagine your little neighborhood, your little home become a plant, for the glory and the power of God wherever you live and the church being streamed out to you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine every home and every home where there's a grown-up where your kids wake up and see you read the Bible every single day? Can you imagine how that would change your kids' lives if they just saw you every single day for five or ten minutes in this book? I could go on and on. Of the future that God has in store for us. And can you imagine what would happen if we actually are able to pay off this place, which is $8 million, by the way, in three years like we talked about, and the money we would have to have impact of satellites, a pathway church in so many different places, and to feed so many people and transform so many lives, and all that money just go into that. Just I want to say thank you to everyone who has given generously. Over and above your tithing. We would not be here today without you. I just want to say thank you. Thank you on behalf of Jesus and his mission and the world that he loves. Just thank you. That is one of the greatest whys. And your generosity overflows. And, I just, and next week we'll give you a little update on where we are on that. So you just kind of have a bigger picture of where we are on that. But I just, I just want to say thank you for that. Because you understand the why. It's bigger than you. Thank you. I want to kind of give you a fishing story to kind of bring this to where I would like for it to be before you walk out the door. And here's, my, here's one of my favorite fishing stories in the world, okay? And uh, I didn't experience this personally, but it's by a man by the name of Dan Allender. Dan Allender. And Dan is a marriage therapist. You've heard me talk about him before. He is a conference speaker. He's a writer. And he was going to Montana to do a Bible conference. And Montana is known for fly fishing. And he'd never been fly fishing. But he always wanted to go fly fishing, and he wasn't much of an outdoorsman, but he said, you know what, I'm going fly fishing. So he gets there a little bit early, and uh, he goes out and go, go fly fishing, gets all his gear. He, he's out there, and he goes at sundown. He goes at sundown. And he's out there in the middle of the water. He doesn't know much about the outdoors or fishing, but he just sees the beauty of God's creation. He's drinking it all in. Man, this is so beautiful. The sun's going down, and he sees all these birds flying. He doesn't know much about birds, but he knows they should be in their beds by now and not be swarming around him. He noticed they weren't birds. They were bats. 
And these bats were swarming around. And I got tired. Like, what are you doing out this late at night, man? You know, nobody catches fish this late at night. And they were swarming around. So he starts taking his rod to create a no-fly zone so the bats can't come around him. And he's just swinging it around up in the air. And he hits a bat, and the bat falls into the water. And the bat starts swarming him even more. And he starts beating that one bat because it's swimming toward him like an alligator, like it's going to come eat him. And he's scared of bats. And he just kind of starts killing the bat. And he kills the bat and it drowns. And he says, God, forgive me. I killed this bat. I'm in your creation. He started to run out of the water. He said, I just want to get out of here. But before he leaves, his line accidentally catches a fish. And so he's got this pole. It's a rented pole. It's not even his pole. And he's got this pole out there. So I got to get this fish off the pole. And so he raises it up out of the water. It's this big, ugly, satanic-looking gray fish with these fangs out of his mouth. So he just starts swinging it. He didn't want to touch the fish. He didn't even like fish, really. He starts swinging it around, trying to get rid of the fish off of his pole. And it rips the lips, and it flies off. And he runs out of the water. And there was this dude standing, just sitting at the end of the dock in his chair just watching all this. He's going to the guy's Bible conference. He says, Dan, he said, I've been fishing for 50 years. I've never seen anything like that before. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Dan just really wanted his 10-year-old son, Andrew, who came with him on the conference to catch a fish. So every day after his morning teaching, he would come out to this same spot between 1 and 3, and he would take his son, Andrew, fishing. Day 1, nothing. Day 2, nothing. Day 3, nothing. He just wanted his kid to catch a fish. And... Uh, the old man is kind of watching all this. One day he stops him and says, hey, listen, I still notice you brought your son Andrew fish. Ironically, his son's name was Andrew. You brought him fishing. Uh, you really want him to catch a fish? Yeah. I and I notice you bring him every day between one and three, right? He said, yeah. You know that fish don't bite between one and three? Uh, you, you really want him to catch a fish? I'll take these lures and show up tomorrow morning at 5 or 5.30 and you'll catch fish. So he takes the lures, shows up the next morning, get on the boat, get there and they're fishing. 30 minutes. An hour, two hours, nothing. He's getting mad. God, my son, I don't care about me. My son, this is my son, fish guy. Andrew, pack up. We got to go. Dad, 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 I really want to catch a fish. Dad, dad, can I just catch one more time? Nope, we got to go. And all of a sudden he heard God say, say this to him. He said, Dan, just because hope has died in you, do you want to let hope die in your son? I want to repeat that, parents. Some parent, this is why you came. Just because hope has died in you, do you want to let hope die in your son? He said, son, you can't just cast one time. You got to cast five times. Just keep on casting. Cast five times. Really dead? Really dead? Yeah, just cast. Cast one, nothing. Cast two, nothing. Cast three, nothing. Cast four, nothing. He's about to do the fifth cast. Come on, God. Really, God? You're not going to let my kid catch one? He's starting to roll to shore. Throws out the fifth cast. Foot. Fish takes the line, big old fish. I mean, it's just, just cheering. He takes him forever to reel the fish, gets it in. There's this big old fish in there. And, man, they're just all celebrating, high five. They roll up to the bank. And uh, Andrew says to his dad, Dad, we serve a great God, don't you? We serve a great. He said, you know what, Andrew, we do serve a great God. And he says, you know what, God, Dad, I, I know God's name. He's going, wow, I never heard my kid talk like this. He said, really, Andrew, what's God's name? He's the God of the fifth cast. Pathway Church, Jesus is still looking for people that will respond to the invitation, come follow me. And I'll send you out to fish for people.
He's looking for people who are not ordained, who don't know the Bible, who are ordinary, everyday folks who get up every day and make a living doing all sorts of different things, just trying to figure out how to lose weight, how to have a marriage, how to have kids, how to, ha- how to retire, how to, ma- how to take care of this body, just how, how, how. He's just looking for some people like that who will just keep on casting, who will just keep on connecting, who will just keep on loving, who will just keep on serving, who will just keep on caring for other people. That's what he's looking for. So, Pathway Church, I'm asking you, this place right here is a testimony to the power of God. Not you or me. And so I'm asking, will you go from here? And just keep casting. Keep connecting. Keep listening. Keep meeting. Keep serving. Keep inviting people to be a part of God's family. Just the little people God has placed in your little world, your little neighborhood, your little apartment, your little house, your little gym, your little office, your little place where you shop, your little place where you go to the dry cleaners. I'm just asking you, will you do that? And will you ask God to help you be bold, to have, learn to have spiritual conversations, to don't just talk about the cowboys. Don't just talk about your health. Just don't talk about what's going on, to talk about things that really matter in people's lives. And when the timing's right, that you'd have the courage to say, hey, I'm, I'm a part of a, of a family. I'd love for you to be a part of it. I'd love for you to come. I'd love for you to let us love you, love to let us serve you, love to let us give ourselves. You would love to, I just, I just would, would you let us do that? And just, that's our why. That's why we exist. God's family. Last Sunday afternoon when we gathered here, I, I didn't get to do all the party stuff because I just kind of wound up talking to people who were signed the Bible and talking to people. And I talked to a lot of men. And this is what I want to finish with. I want you to hear this. I talked to a lot of men. This is why I just... <laughs> who had no interest in Jesus. But somebody kept inviting them. And one day they came. And they sat in worship like this. When's he going to get finished? When can I go? And they got blindsided by the love of God. And they discovered that Jesus was real. And they kneeled and surrendered and said, I've fallen in love with Jesus and it's changed everything. That's our why. And we will do anyhow. We'll try anyhow for that why. I would invite you to stand and join me in our closing prayer, would you please? We've been saying this for 45 days. Let this be our closing prayer. God, use me today. Guide me throughout this day. Inspire my thoughts, decisions, and initiatives. Lead my thinking and behaviors Disconnect them both from all self-seeking and anything that would discredit your name. I surrender my agenda and all outcomes to your unlimited power. 
God, use me somehow to connect one more. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Are you going to stand there? Or are you going to go fishing? Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.